This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, presented by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds are on the radio. The Hot Stove League is brought to you by JTM Food Group. Let's create great dishes together. JTM, PNC Bank, the official bank of the Cincinnati Reds. PNC, make today the day. Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation, where there's help, there's hope. And by Wings and Rings, 16 area locations and proud sponsor of the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds Hot Stove League is also brought to you by Kelsey Chevrolet, Route 50 and 275 Lawrenceburg, Greater Cincinnati's full-service dealer. From their family to yours, Ralph's American Grill in Wilmington, Ohio. Visit ralphsgrill.com and by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds are on the radio. Now the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. Hey, very delightful. Good evening to you and welcome into the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF along with Sam LeCure. I'm Tommy Thraw. It's great to be with you tonight. Sammy, good to have you here today. Thanks for having me here finally, but I, I mean, we only live two streets apart. I know. I, I got to wrangle somebody to get in here, but uh, right. especially right after Reds Fest, a good time to do it. Yeah. Winter meetings, got a lot. Well, yeah, certainly. You think, okay, Reds Fest just happened. Now the winter meetings, we're coming out of that. Those are closing down today. Uh, you figure, well, there's probably going to be a lot to talk about. And then, boom, not much has happened <laughs> in the last week. Yeah, I, but some. Some. I mean, there some. Is some. I there mean, has uh, been some some good, uh, some good developments for the Reds, I feel like. You know, we, I don't know when your last one, probably right before Reds. Right. So there's a couple of the signings I don't know if you got to touch on, but uh, so those are good things. Um, and it always feels like Red Fest and winter meetings are like the little midpoint of once we get past that, spring training is kind of on the horizon. TJ Friedel was on last week and he goes, you know, it's it's been a couple months since we've all been together. It's kind of good to Reds Fest. We yep. all get back together. And then it kind of gets those juices flowing oh, yeah. a little bit. And you could tell just being around guys at Reds Fest, this is a group that is anxious to yeah. get going. Yeah, and even, I mean, not for me, but just being around the boys from my teams, I mean, it gets mm-hmm. the juices flowing. It turns into a love affair, and you start talking about what we did yesteryear. These guys, it's fresh on their memory, you know, and they've got something to build on. Got a couple signings, excited to be around each other and excited to see what they can do this coming year. And I think we saw from the turnout at Reds Fest that they're not the only ones. No, there's a lot of excitement around this team and the youth, a big part of that. Speaking of the youth, this guy had one heck of a rookie campaign last year when the Reds brought him up to the big leagues. He just went out and pitched shutout after shutout after shutout, <laughs> didn't allow a run for four starts. Uh, his name is Andrew Abbott. Andrew, thanks so much for being on with us, and uh, have you fully recovered from your time at Reds Fest? Uh, yeah, I think so. It was fun, though. How, how exciting was it just to be back around everybody, and, and, and what were those conversations like? Was it just catching up with guys personally? Were there moments from the season that you guys kind of were reliving together, and, and, and was there some, I guess, anxiousness about getting things going for this upcoming season? What, what was it like for you guys to all be back around each other again? Yeah, it was great. It was amazing seeing the guys, you know, even after only being gone for a couple months without seeing them. Um, you know, just, it, it was a lot of fun seeing them hanging out uh, the days of Reds Fest and honestly just kind of catching up, really. Um, you know, a bunch of them, you know, weddings and all this kind of stuff was going on. So just seeing what, what has everybody been up to and, you know, any other news in the world because we're all training, getting ready for spring training, as you guys said. So, I mean, we're all kind of similar in that regard. Well, Tommy and I, Andrew, what's up? It's Sam here. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How about you? All good. Uh, so Tommy and I were kind of talking about, I mean, it flies by. You know, a lot of times you don't have the time to catch up with the guys like you would like to. And uh, something I was thinking about, coming into last year, I think 
the group understood the possibilities for this this team, you know, what they were capable of achieving. And you kind of went out there and, you know, ahead of expectations, achieved a good bit. How does that change coming into, we'll call it year two uh, with this group, now that you understand kind of the the floor? Has the ceiling changed a little bit? You know, I think it's. I think it was everybody's uh, kind of ambition to get to the postseason. I think last year can be used as kind of like momentum and kind of understanding, you know, in what areas did we fall short in and what areas can we improve on. And we can take that and kind of move forward into, into this coming year at least. Um, and, you know, just kind of sitting back and saying, okay, well, we did well, you know, across the board, but obviously we know we can get better and we know we have to in order to get deeper into the, into the playoffs. That's obviously true from a team standpoint, but each of you has to get better, right? And you each want to get better, especially those of you that, that got your first taste of the big leagues last year. Now you know what it's like. So, so when you kind of look back and evaluate your season, how do you size it up and what are you, what, what are you shooting for to get better? You know, taking, taking it all in, um, <laughs> it was fun. So it's, it's, it's relaxing to kind of go back and look at it. Um, I think the main thing is for me is just being consistent all the way through and not having a kind of a tail off toward the end, kind of pitching as strong as I was in June, all the way through into August, you know, September and October, um, personally. And then, you know, obviously, you know, uh, just being able to compete day in and day out, take the ball and be healthy are the biggest goals that I have. So how do you accomplish that? I mean, obviously we all recognize you burst onto the scene. I mean, so to speak, nobody makes it look that easy. That was, <laughs> that was incredible, man. That was a lot of fun to watch. And, but you know, it's no secret. There was a tail off. What do you do in your off season program? How do you try to combat that talking to, you know, maybe some of the strength guys, uh, you know, the medical staff is to keep your shoulders strong, whatever the case may be. How do you identify that? And what do you do in your off season program to, to try to do as much as you can to make sure that doesn't happen this coming year? Yeah, the Reds do a fantastic job of like communication through the ranks, um, starting at the top down. The strength conditioning coaches kind of set out a kind of like not guideline, but a kind of idea of what will help me kind of prolong the, you know, the good starts instead of the bad ones kind of creeping in at the end. So whether it was, you know, switching a few things in the diet to adding a little extra conditioning in on the side or, you know, adding another lift in on that side. And then the, Training aspect is, you know, emphasizing more recovery on the shoulder and the arm just to make sure that when we get rolling and we get to spring training and and then we start the season when those high-stress innings hit that everyone's ready to go, including myself, and we can all hit the ground running. Does that kind of start in the offseason too? I mean, you talked about the stuff that you do going into it, but for you going into the off season after your first taste of the big leagues, do, do you treat the off season a little bit differently? Do you, do you wait longer to ramp up? Do you have to take a little bit more time after the season ends to kind of decompress? How, how do you kind of get into the off season and then figure out when's the right time to ramp up? Yeah. So I think it's pretty much like an individual basis. Um, but I, I chose to rest just because, you know, I blew my innings, my max innings limit out of the water. Um, and, and obviously I had the tail off. So just sitting there and noting, knowing that my body is fatigued, it's tired, just taking that little extra time before I start playing before or playing catch. And then before I start doing any, you know, high interval training or anything like that, just making sure that 
I feel good. Everything's, you know, ready to rock. And, you know, when I, when I wake up on day one, like we can just go and there's no questions right there. And, you know, I feel really good. And I think that it's just going to just got to keep going and then I'll be ready for spring training. So, you know, watching you down the stretch, you know, I'm always trying to identify little changes. I didn't see a whole lot change, you know, for you. Obviously, the location, you know, wasn't as sharp. Um, got me thinking about dead arm a little bit and what that means to each guy differently. Um, you know, typically guys will go through spring training and towards, you know, maybe the middle to end of it, start to experience a little bit. And then coming into the season, it's, you know, maybe a July or August, you go through a little bit of a bout with it. Um, what is, try to explain to the folks who are listening, what's dead arm? Cause I mean, I've got my own little opinion of it, but what's that mean to you? <laughs> um, so I, I commonly kind of refer to it as like you, you, your body can go a hundred percent, but your arm feels like it's going a hundred percent, but it's not. So it's like you're throwing max effort, but it's not like translating, um, and it's just, you know, it's a, it's a combination of different factors, but it could be, you know, uh, fatigue. It could be uh, overuse in a short amount of time or um, workload um, is catching up with you. I mean, there's a lot of different factors, as you would know, uh, Sam. So I, I think it's just kind of different. And with me, it was more along the lines of the first one where it was like, okay, Body feels ready to go, but arms not. <laughs> so it's but, just, it, but it's kind of like hard, was, to, hard to identify a little bit because a lot of time late life. Um, so, you know, people are, oh, he's going through dead arm. It's just, you know, he's making an excuse. It's not the case. I mean, there's just a finish to it that is not there for whatever the case may be. I was trying to, I was trying to come up with some kind of an explanation and it's really difficult to, because it's different for everybody, but there's just not that finish. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it feels like there's something missing, I guess, but it doesn't really translate when you see it on the on the screen and whatnot. It's just like a feeling that everyone gets. So, I mean, like you said, it's different person to person. Andrew, uh, we've got, certainly got more that we want to get into with you. Uh, so if you don't mind, we'd love to have you stick around for a little bit longer. You got some time? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. We've got more coming up with Andrew Abbott. This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF. Reds fans, the new Pick 6 plan is here. Choose any six home games and receive an exclusive Spencer Steer bobblehead in the Nike City Connect uniform. For more info, visit reds.com slash tickets. We continue our conversation with Reds lefty Andrew Abbott. Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, always fun to get into pitching and, and talking about that. We we're, were talking during the break a little bit that there's different things that you go through uh Throughout different points of the season, whether it's spring training and, you know, your arm starts to feel good, but then all of a sudden the hitters start to to catch up to you a little bit. Then you get into a big league season and, and the same thing kind of happens. Uh, but I think the same is true when you get into the big leagues for the first time. Uh, you, you feel good when you get there. You've got all this adrenaline. And then all of a sudden you get to a point, I feel like, where hitters start to figure you out a little bit. Is that a tough thing to adjust to I guess the question is what's tougher adjusting to hitters who are making the adjustment to you or adjusting to your body as the season goes along oh that's a good one um, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh I'm gonna oh man they're they're both really good cases uh 
I would say making the adjustment to the hitters making adjustments is probably the more difficult one. Um, just just uh, really because, you know, if you make an adjustment, let's say, on a singular pitch, well, they may not even be looking for that pitch as a hitter. So that kind of, you know, doesn't really mean that much, you know, in your situation. And everyone's got scouting reports on you. So they all know what you throw, you know, relative how fast you throw, you know, where is the pitch going to be located. And I think as pitchers, it makes us a little a little bit better if you can kind of flip on, on a dime. Like if you're a mainly thrown outside guy, then all of a sudden you come inside for a game, the guy's like, what the world is going on? And, you know, that's the one thing I'm I'm continuing to work on. And I think a lot of people are is just being able to flip the script on them and change it up every now and then and kind of just go from there. Well, that was one thing that impressed me most about you this year, Andrew, was the fact that you did make adjustments, I mean, quickly. Sometimes, you know, not as quickly as you're going to like to, but that's part of learning the big leagues and, and learning yourself as a pitcher. You have you don't have a ton of innings on your arm, uh, but being able to do that within the at-bat and understanding what you had going for you that day. Oh, oh, the changeup's really good, so I'm going to go with that because I'm convicted in it. I want to talk, how much did Luke Malley uh, play in with that? Because you guys worked together a ton. It uh, seems like you had such a, a great rapport. How much did he help you understand, learn yourself as you got into the big league level? Yeah, so, you know, being a rookie, like, we, you kind of you kind of just attach to somebody and kind of ride their shirt with them and ask them questions, you know, pick their brain about, you know, how, you know, what has made them stay here for so long and whatnot. And Luke was a big a big veteran factor for me, you know, just the catcher and pitcher battery conversations, you know, about, okay, well, this would work, you know, why wouldn't this work, you know, between innings, you know, kind of hashing out like pitch calling, like maybe what do we see the next few hitters up in the inning and kind of going through there. And, you know, I worked quick and I told him the first time out, I was like, Hey, I'm not going to shake that much, man. We both know the report. You've seen the report. <laughs> you put a pitch down, I'll throw it. Um, so, you know, just let's just go. And I think after a few starts, you kind of gain that trust. And well, yeah, no just, kidding. You had give up. You didn't give up a run for six starts. I trust him too, dude. <laughs> I guess that that helps the case yeah. a little bit. <laughs> but the other part of that too, I have to imagine, is is you know that he knows these hitters as well as anybody. And and you talk to catchers about game calling, and they will say, yeah, the scouting report is one tool that you have, but nothing is going to usurp a pitcher and what they have on that day. So that, that's got to be a big part of it, too. Not only do you trust that the catcher knows the scouting report, but he's going to have a good feel for what you have, and he certainly already knows the hitters, especially a guy that's been around for a while. Yeah, I mean, half the time being a pitcher and, you know, with me throwing a Luke, I don't even have to say anything to him. He can kind of just tell me, he says, yeah, your curveball is not as tight as it normally is. So let's kind of stay away. It it could leak. It could pop out in the middle of the zone, and we don't want any damage being done. So he he can make those calls without me, and, I, and I'm sitting here, and he's explaining it to me, and I understand why. So there's, like, real no, you know, we're all we're on the same line. There's, we're on the straight line going together. Like, there's no mis- miscommunication anywhere, and it's, it's very simple, and that's what makes the game fun. When it's simple, it's not, it's not very complex. It's a very simple game. You know, just go do your job. I'm going to switch real quick uh, while we've got a few minutes left since it's winter meeting stuff. And, I mean, I know the attention that I paid to it. Obviously, I think that the the guys in the clubhouse really like what's going on there and don't expect a whole lot to happen. Obviously, you got Nick Martinez, Emilio Pagan. Uh, those are great additions. How much are you 
paying attention to that? Is there something that's kind of on your Christmas list that you wish? Or, I mean, would you you just like this group and you want to see what happens moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I really, I really think we have the pieces to make the run. I mean, we were game and a half, two games out last year, you know, being that young. And now that, you know, we've got, you know, either half a season or, or a season plus in our, under our belt, you know, we kind of, we're playing those meaningful games so late in the season. I think the team is kind of at the feeling, well, well, we picked up two guys that are going to make an immediate impact no matter where it is for us. So, you know, we got a good group already, so let's hit the ground running. And I think, you know, just coming back to spring training, everyone's ready to rock, everyone's healthy, then, you know, you just go compete. And then they're going to field the best team. And, that, and, and then you go win games. I have to imagine that the anticipation coming into the season and talking with a few guys about it at spring training, it's got to be pretty high right now. Absolutely, yeah, it's extremely high. How how big was it for you? You touched on it before, like the looking ahead to this season real quick. Uh, how big of a factor was it that you were able to throw more innings than you've ever thrown before, and how much does that prepare you for next year? I think it's a huge thing personally because, you know, I want to be one of those guys that can just take the ball every five days, stay healthy, and just, you know, eat innings up. You know, the goal for me personally is I want to get near 200 innings, if not 200 innings. And I know that that's a, still a big jump from last year with the 160, whatever that I threw. But I know that, you know, I pushed it 50 more innings than what I've had in the past last year. So what's to say that I can't do it this year again, but I know how to handle it better this year. So, you know, personally, it kind of gives me a goal to go chase and i'm sure with everybody else you know it gives them something different as well andrew certainly appreciate the time thanks so much and uh, enjoy the rest of your off season we'll see you in the spring absolutely we'll see you soon andrew thanks for checking in dude have a good off season i'll see you in spring absolutely sam thank you man Andrew Abbott joining us on the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League. That, to me, top to bottom, young guys, they talk the game really well. Uh, gives me optimism moving forward, for sure. And, and having a, a pitcher like Nick Martinez, a guy with some experience that's had some success, yeah. I feel like that's only going to make these guys better. Uh, is it? Is it uh, February 15th yet? <laughs> <laughs> it's getting awfully close. It is coming in a hurry. Uh, we have more to come. Mark Sheldon is going to join us fresh off a trip down to Nashville at the winter meetings. We've got that coming up. Sam and I continue the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF next on the Reds Radio Network. Continuing now on the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF. Phone lines are open. Got time to take your phone calls. 1-800-THE-BIG-ONE or 513-749-7000. You can also go on your iHeartMedia app. Click on 700-WLW. There's a little microphone there. You can record your message. And oh, boy. Play that back. That could, I mean, it could get interesting, folks. could get you real know, interesting. You never know. I, I forgot to tweet about it. <laughs> My bad. Anyway, hope to hear from you. Plenty to talk about. And, um, you know, looking at the winter meetings, they've come and gone. There wasn't a lot of excitement at the winter meetings. Everybody's still trying to figure out where is Shohei Otani going to go. We'll talk about it a little bit with Mark Sheldon coming up. But it it seems like at this point the Reds have added a couple of guys that are not huge splashes from a free agent standpoint. But I think they are... Those are those are valuable. two valuable pieces. Yeah, I mean important pieces to this team. I I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense for the Reds to go out and spend a boatload of money on a guy that's going to 
you're going to have to overspend for somebody to sign a free agent anyway. Yeah. It, it, to me, the, the the moves that they're probably going to make the rest of the way would be through the trade market, and that just seems to make more sense to me for the where the Reds are at. Um, and that's why I didn't say anything off air because I'm gonna because <laughs> I'm gonna disagree with you to some degree because they're just and part of it is because watching this team throughout the year, I just fell in love with so many of the guys. Right, like I just like them so much, and I see so much ability on the field. So for me, with where the Reds are at with their payroll, there's there is money. Oh man, I'm gonna get somebody in trouble for that. And but then myself in trouble for this. But the, I mean, I, there is money to be spent. Now, where do you where do you spend it? Who do you allot? an overpayment to that's going to supplement this team. What part of the field do you do it? Is it a starting pitchers and outfield? And you're like, oh, well, they got outfielders. They got, you know, starting pitchers. They've, they're pretty well set. But with some of the injuries that have happened, mainly with the starting rotation, like I feel, and there's not a guy on the market this year that I'd go mm-hmm. out and spend it on. But if it was, you know, a Max Scherzer, say he was free or he was a free agent and he was going to be available for two years, so when you go in and it's a game, you have your game one starter, then you spend it there. I liked Sonny Gray because it was going to be a short term deal. See, that's a difference. I like the short term deal. The short term deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, not, I mean, you start getting into six, seven, eight years. I mean, you can hand, hamstring the group. There's just so much prospect capital that this team has built up. I hate to get rid of it. We just saw the Juan Soto thing go through. I love Juan Soto. He's one of the best players in the game. The Reds have the prospects to do that. I don't want to give any of them up because it's too early to tell if there's not a Juan Soto on this team. Boy, isn't that isn't that the the biggest and the trickiest part of this whole thing? We talked a little bit about it with Nick Crawl at, at Reds Fest, but it's it, to me that's got to be the hardest part of that job yeah. as a, as a general manager, as a president of baseball ops, is is figuring out. All right, one, you got to figure out. Who can I trade? And you also got to trade him if you're willing to trade that guy. They got to be good. They've got to be good. You you want to make sure that that trade works out for whoever you're trading that player to. But you also have to understand who they are, who you're getting rid of, right. and when you're getting rid of it. If you realize if you if you're in that wait and see who we've got, by that point it might be too late and they don't have yeah. the value to get anything in return. It, it's a that's a tricky spot oh, to be time. in, and, and it's kind of where the Reds are at. It you is. know, because it, it, they've got positions of depth. They've got a lot of guys right now yeah. that are positions of strength. So, so that's where you'd want to deal from. Yeah, but you also don't want to get rid of somebody that's got a chance to be a future superstar. There's no question. That's so tough, and, and I think that that's the the number one currency in baseball is prospect capital. And the Reds have as much of that as anybody in the game, right? And you can't you can't put a price tag on that necessarily. I guess you can because, you know, the Yankees just gave up five players for one player. That's right. how that's how they made they made that decision. The Reds because of their limited payroll, unlike the Yankees, can't give up four or five players for one. That's right. just not how they're going to continue to be successful here year after year. And Nick Crawl, the Reds just got the number two pick, <laughs> pulled a rabbit out of their hat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hat, And he said, I hope we're never in the lottery again. And I think that's the a great attitude about what this front office has done is they want to continue to have a sustainable winner year after year after year. And you don't do that by giving away your best chips, which right. is... So for this current state where they're at right now, I think there is money to be spent. There's nobody on this market right now 
that I like to spend that money on. Right. I guess I would say that. Yeah, I think that it, I agree fully with what you were saying with if you can get a guy on a year or two deal, yeah. that makes perfect sense. I'll, I'll spend a little bit more for that rather than tying my hands with a deal with a 10-year deal where there's just you're not going to get the return on the value the last couple of years of the deal. It might yeah. be the last five years of a deal yeah. you won't get the return. So And, and that basically can become uh, – a, a a dead period for your franchise. Yeah, I mean you can it, hamstring them, yeah, big time, and, and that's a tough situation for a team to be in. I th- I look at the the Angels with where they were for so long with a guy like Albert Pujols. Yeah, uh, Miguel Cabrera is not the same player that the Tigers were paying him to be no. at the end of his career. And you get to a point where these organizations can't wait for a contract to get off the books so they can start moving their organization forward. And That's the scary part with free agency to me. It is, but the game's changed so much. It's like moved forward to where now the long-term contracts are being given out 26, 27, because guys are getting to the big league so early. So there's a little bit less, you know, fewer question marks on the back end of these yeah. contracts. I mean, Bryce Harper signed a 13-year deal at 26. Right. He's still going to be in his 30s, right? I mean, yeah. he's going to have an opportunity to, to do that. Juan Soto is going to be a free agent at 26. You know, a lot of these guys, Albert and Miguel, were getting their 10 year deals at mm-hmm. 32. Right. You know, a little different. Getting, it's, yeah. a, it's a little <laughs> different. So the market has changed as far as that goes. But in our current state today, um, I just. <sighs> The market pushes the market, right? right, for the players. And the players want to get as many years and, and dollars as they can. That's why you're seeing so many teams, and you're going to see the Reds. I would imagine, this. I'm not trying to put words in anybody's mouth. This is some speculation. You're going to see them identify 100 Green, for example. Right. An immediate one. They sign him early when they didn't have to, and they're going to identify guys on this core that they want to sign to those seven-year Hundred, they're going to call them team friendly deals, and they're going to be for a hundred million dollars. Right. But it's cost certainty moving forward, and they're still going to be at a productive period age wise. And you're going to see anytime it says team friendly, it's team friendly. Like the players <laughs> are selling themselves short. But how can they say no? Right. I and, and those deals I love. I do, uh, and I think I mean, as a fan, you have to also because it assures you that your player, your favorite player, is going to still be in your team's uniform for a long time. I I, I love it, and uh, yeah, I think there are some guys we're going to see the Reds do that with. We've got more to get to. Mark Sheldon joins us fresh off a trip down to Nashville. In fact, he is still on his way back from Nashville right now talking about the winter meetings. Next, this is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF. He's Sam LeCure. I'm Tommy Thrall. It is great to be with you. Give the gift of Reds this holiday season with our Holiday Flex Ticket Vouchers. This convenient option lets you and your family and friends choose the games that best fit your schedule. For more info, visit Reds.com slash holiday. The winter meetings wrapping up in Nashville. Mark Sheldon was there. Mark Sheldon writes for MLB.com. You can see his work on Reds.com. How's the drive treating you, Marky Mark? Hey, Tommy. So far, so good. I'm in Louisville, so I'm making good time. You are. It's. It sounds like you're. Uh, it sounds like you were maybe partying a little too hard there in Nashville. Well, I do sound like uh, Marty Funkhauser from Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was. Uh, I, we, we had a karaoke night. Uh, the company. Oh, so buddy. I, I, I belted one out a little too hard. Well, I know the feeling. What's the song? What song? Uh, piano Man by Billy Joel. I knew it was had something to do with the piano goose. I thought it was uh, 
You look. You take my trouble of the the, the Maverick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I got hey, you. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm right there. Yeah. Well, uh, the uh, we may as well talk about this because the winter meetings were a little anticlimactic, were they not? Yeah, I have to say they were. It was, uh, you know, the Reds were not the outlier. Excuse me, I thought, I, I'm sorry about my voice, but no, you're okay. The Reds were not. The Reds were not an outlier. There were so many teams that did very little or nothing at the meetings. There was only a couple of trades uh, Sunday, and I think yesterday. And you know, the Brewers signed Wade Miley, and there wasn't a whole lot else there. The Reds. You know, did the talks and things like that. and doesn't mean nothing will happen this offseason. They, they, they got the two guys they wanted last week. And, and Nick Kroll said basically that allowed us to be more patient and more deliberate so they can get what they want. And everyone's waiting for the Shohei Otani uh, stop, you know, stoppage, so to speak, to, to have them sign somewhere. It'll loosen up the market. Uh, you were talking about, or you had written about the, the Reds were in on Sonny Gray and they were they were – they were in the mix for him. Uh, any talk of whether or not the Reds were in on Wade Miley? They were. They were in the mix. Uh, they made an effort to get him. He, he only signed for, I think, a one-year deal with $8 million. So I don't know what the Reds were offering, but he was somebody they would have looked at and would have been happy with. Yeah, so, Mark, you said that not a whole lot of action was going on at the winter meetings. As far as the Reds goes, I don't think for you and I and Tommy, maybe, I don't think that was a big surprise based on whatever needs you think that they may or may not have. But if you can speak a little bit, uh, and you can give us a cliff notes with your voice, uh, have a have a halls drop, uh, a little insight into the Reds' philosophy in regards to why they may or may not make a particular move based on current roster construction. Well, you know, I think they want a front-line starter. <clears throat> but, you know, if you're trading for a guy who might add two and a half wins or three wins, Nick kind of mentioned this, and, you know, he's only got one year left on his deal, and you have to trade a prospect who could give you three wins but has six years of club control, it may not make a lot of sense. You know, you, if you're going to get somebody in here, you, you got to make it worth your while. And if you're going to give up prospects, and I heard you guys talking about prospect capital in the previous segment, that you better make it worth it. And if the guy that's coming in better be, you know, good, but also not kill your entire uh, budget. Like, you know, they get a guy for one or two years. You know, the guy, you know, Tyler Glass now has got a one-year $25 million you know, deal left on his contract with Tampa Bay. If you're going to give a prospect for that guy, you better be the one that helps you and be the front-line starter that needs to take you to the playoffs. Uh, Mark, talking about, uh, you, you were writing about Jonathan India and, and you know, the conversations that he had with Nick Crawl at Reds Fest and right before Reds Fest began. What do you get the sense is the Reds' plan for Jonathan India moving forward? You, you mentioned that there might be a position change. Is it going to be something where he is going to switch positions on a permanent basis, or are they just they're looking for him to be more versatile? How does he kind of fit in with this team moving forward? Because Nick has been pretty adamant that he doesn't necessarily want to trade him. Yeah, and, and India, without knowing about the position stuff, at Reds Fest, he felt really confident. He praised the organization for being honest with him, and then he knows where he stands. Um, as for India, I don't think he's going to be moving to a position permanently somewhere else. I think kind of like the way David Bell has done it is guys are moving all over the place. And, you know, on a given day, if they want to have both McLean and De La Cruz and India in the same lineup, maybe India plays first base, maybe he DHs, 
and, and things like that. I think there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. He wants all those bats in the lineup in some fashion, and guys will get days off to stay fresh. So I, I think he has got a place in the organization. They're not looking to trade him, but of course, if a deal comes up and his name is in it, and it's the right one, they may pull the trigger. That's how he would be with almost any player on the team. Well, that's just due diligence by the organization. But uh, yeah, I just start to wonder, and, and I don't know that there's necessarily a question in here, but are you hampering some of these younger guys by taking at bats? I mean, is the the health of it? Obviously, that plays a big part in every, every team season, but it's just hard for me to – I don't want to hamstring the guys moving forward by taking at bats from them because – and nothing against Jonathan Eddie. Obviously, he's had some pretty big success and makes a big impact on this team. But I don't see him blowing me away as far. I'd have to have him versus a Matt McLean or a Noel V. Marte, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know how all that fits. And, you know, you're a little bit more in tune with that than I. Uh, I don't know how it fits, but they, you know, you know, there's injuries, you know, there's attrition, things happen. It's, it's, it's certainly possible that, you know, they find a way. And if it's not working, they can move on. So I, I don't know exactly either how it's all going to fit. It was going to be hard to fit, even when they had jo- you know Joey Votto and, and figuring that out and having India. It's going to be tough, but it always works out. They always find a way to make it work. So I I, I don't know right now how it looks on December seventh or de- December sixth. I'm sure by April they'll have it somewhat figured out. Mark, thanks for the time. Drive safe and uh, get that voice back. Try a hot toddy. <laughs> I will do my best. I have, I have too many hot toddies in there. <laughs> Put some honey in. It. There you go. Mark Sheldon joining us from MLB.com, fresh off a trip to the winter meetings. Mark, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Take care. Uh, well, we wrap things up. We'll take your phone calls if we have time. When we come back, this is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Wrapping things up with the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League presented by UDF with Sam LaCure. I'm Tommy Thrall. We've got Dick and Dayton. What do you say? Hey, how are you guys doing? It's a pleasure to talk to you guys. A big fan. Uh, I always like your uh, you and uh, Ryan on the, on the post game. And Tommy, I a lot of fans listen to you on the uh, 700 Double Dev. Considered me a, a big fan of Cincinnati, buddy. I appreciate you saying that. Thanks so Thank much you, for sir. the phone call. Yeah, yeah. I'll... I'll uh, Mention you. I hope uh, you salute me on the uh, the Fox guys because I love you guys. You do Fox is part of my life, you know, being in Ohio. But you guys do a good job, buddy. All right, thanks so much. Appreciate the phone call. We love those phone calls. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, pump my ego a little bit. Yeah, I no needed kidding. that. Maybe. It's getting cold in the winter. It is. Makes you feel good going into the holiday <laughs> yeah, season. Yeah, it does, buddy. I tell Thank you, what. you Dick. <laughs> it has been uh, it's been a very lively show. A lot going on today. Uh, great to hear from Andrew Abbott, and yeah. uh, I just that to me the experience that all these guys got last year. I think is going to be invaluable going into next season. I do too, um, and I think I've, some of the conversation for me has been around sophomore slumps. To be honest with you, everybody's yeah. asking, what's the team look like next year? And I've been kind of non-committal. I was like, hey, they got a lot of sophomores, and sophomore slump is a real deal. I'm not trying to be pessimistic, folks. What I, uh, Exactly the opposite. I think this group comes up and plays such a brand of baseball that I don't see it happening for them. It, it's going to happen with somebody, it, it, but well, you overcome it collectively. Exactly. And yeah. there's going to be slumps. I mean... 10-year career, they're going to happen in your ninth year. They're going to happen this year, but I think this group is well-prepared to manage it and have somebody else pick up the slack. So uh, I'm excited. about They talk the game well. They play the game the right way. Uh, and 
I, I want to see a lot of fans out at the ballpark. Join Bang, us. Banging on my set. Join us at the Reds Hall of Fame this Saturday between 10 and 5 at the annual Deck the Hall celebration. Highlights include merchandise, sales, an ugly Christmas sweater. Judged by, I'll be there. Marty will be there oh as well. That's all the time we have. Good night.